Welcome to the Mac DevOps YVR podcast. This podcast is about the Mac DevOps YVR conference in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. This year, the conference is taking place June 10th, 11th, and 12th, 2020. We'll interview guests and discuss topics around managing Macs using open source software projects inspired by DevOps. Our goal is to encourage developers and IT to work together to solve problems for our community. For more information, see our website, mdoyvr.com. This is the Mac DevOps podcast. Welcome to the Mac DevOps podcast. We're joined today by my amazing stalwart, my awesome rock, JD. How are you, JD? Good. How are you doing, Matt? Uh, I'm just happy to be alive. <laughs> I mean, I went on my bike today and went off to get ice cream, and I came back with ice cream, and I'm still alive. So two wins. Yeah, that's two wins. Put a Cardam's donut on it, and you're, you're at three wins. Uh, in my uh, path to support all local uh, businesses that are still open, I ordered a l- very sizable donut order at Cardums for tomorrow, and I will bike there tomorrow. And dis- if I survive, I will distribute the donuts like a Pied Piper to all my friends and throw them at them from a two-meter distance. You know. Excellent. Um, today, we're joined by members of the Cascadia channel and the Mac Admin Slack. We have Chris Daw. How are hey, you? Howdy. And Mac right. Justice. Hey, Matt. And Ashley Smith. Hey, how's it going? Thanks so, so much for joining us, Shauna. <laughs> Very late. Uh, funny story. My dog got loose while running with my, uh, my boyfriend earlier, and we went out to find him, and he was, she was in someone's house. She ran oh. out home. So this is the second time that something like this has happened, where she, like, I was like, no, I'm going to go into this person's house and get snacks. Um, oh, but wow. Hopefully, um, they love dogs, so we found her pretty quickly. It didn't take people long. But is is your boyfriend grounded now? Totally. He's on punishment. <laughs> He's like, yeah. <laughs> Him and the dog are both in so much. They're in the doghouse. In the doghouse. In the doghouse. In the doghouse together right now. So, Thanks for joining me today. I wanted to get some of the organizers for the Cascadia meetups. Ashley, so you've been helping to organize the Cascadia virtual meetups. How's that been going? Uh, It's been going good. Um, You know, we really were missing the sense of community that we felt with our local meetups that we were having every month. And I just wanted to try to find a way to get everybody together. And so I figured as a Zoom admin, I might as well just create a Zoom account and go from there. And how's the uh, attendance been? Uh, it varies from week to week. Sometimes people get a little sick of being on video conferences all day, but um, <laughs> it's still nice to be able to see all the familiar faces. Um, there's kind of our core group that tends to always come. So we usually get to see a lot of the same faces every week. And it's been really nice to have some of our Canadian friends join in, like you and Ross. And we've had some friends join in from other places, too. Uh, We had uh, someone from England join in. Uh, We had a guest from Australia, from D.C., just all over the place. It sort of bends the concept of a local meetup, but it's pretty awesome. Yeah, we've kind of just got our local channel that we organize things in. So we stuck to that and 
if anybody else joins in, then we're happy to see other people pop up. I'm definitely uh, selfishly uh, very excited that you organize this because I think I've made it to one or two meetups in Seattle and Seattle is a great city and lots of great people there. And um, it's just far enough away that even in uh, the good times, it was tough with traffic, but I love being able to drop in and see uh, people and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. How different is it from organizing the in-person meetups, Chris? Well, you know, there's really not much that I'm doing at this point. Um, Ashley's doing the bulk of the work. I occasionally send people in Slack to remind them that the Zoom meetups are happening. I think that there's a bit of a disconnect in the sense that the Zoom meetups are more or less available no matter where you are. And so I think that there's a, an extent to which People kind of drop off after a point and listen, uh, have other things to do at home, whereas the in-person meetup is something that's really organized around month, a monthly event or um, a month-by-month -month occasion, so people have to kind of tend to go out of their way to attend. Um, and so I think that the virtual meetups on Zoom make for a great way to include people who have either passed through our community or uh, people who know members of our community and socialize with members of our community and other venues at conferences and things like that, um, but wouldn't otherwise be able to attend because, well, top left-hand corner of the lower 48 states, so somebody in Australia is not just going to be able to pop by in the <laughs> real world. DC is not going to be able to pop by in the real world, that type of thing. Not without great expense normally in a plane flight and uh, lots of planning. Exactly. Lots of work. Flights are super I mean, cheap, though, right now. <laughs> yeah. You can, you can have an airliner all to yourself. <laughs> Just about. Uh, I guess we also have the benefit that we don't have to find a location for these because the location is the internet and we're all on the internet. That was something that Chris was always about, who's going to uh, volunteer their space for the next meetup and... Generally, it's the most complicated part of organizing the meetup. Definitely admired you guys from afar as uh, the Vancouver meetups were going for a little while in, in various forms. And, uh, and then we ran out of uh, energy, uh, time, sponsors, or something. <laughs> and with all the meetups sort of petered out except for once a year at Mac DevOps, uh, it seemed like. Or uh, yeah, people would meet up at other conferences as well. Just they'd go out of their way once a year to meet with friends. But... It is tough to take your time out of your day when you have uh, kids at home, dinners to make, and chores. How about you, Mac? Uh, I just wanted to, uh, you know, get, give a hat tip to Chris for, you know, on in, in more normal times for for getting, you know, an agenda together and, uh, you know, finding a place to be and uh, just even a, a a fig leaf of a topic is uh, can make all the difference. Well, thanks, much appreciated. A round of applause for Chris. What? <laughs> crowd goes wild. Oh, I mean, I think that the, I, I want to comment on that for just a second because we, we have this thing that, and I don't remember who named um, our core group of you know, five or six people, the shadowy cabal. I don't remember where that <laughs> name came from, but I think that <laughs> one of the things that distinguishes our Seattle meetup and makes things a lot easier for me as an organizer 
um, is that we do effectively have a group of five to seven people who are almost always around. And that means that I have a good group of people to lean on with respect to making spaces available, um, helping organize, help read the invitations and the posts that I write to make sure that I'm not saying anything dumb or offensive. Um, I think that if this were um, a one-person show, it would have ended a long time ago, but I have um, a great circle of uh, shadowy cabalists to help out. Ashley Mack, uh, Gil Wilson, Joe Chilcote, and a few others who prefer to remain in the shadows. Um, <laughs> well, we've all kind of put our hand into um, offering locations up or trying to find people that will assist us in offering locations. And we've also been really lucky, I think, to have uh, some of the businesses that we have in the Seattle area because a lot of places are able to offer us a place that we can meet up and sometimes they can even offer us food. So um, that's just been really awesome to have those kind of unofficial sponsors to help us out. Um, as far as the virtual meetups go, there's nothing involved in organizing it. I <laughs> put a Zoom meeting on a calendar and I just remind people that, hey, there's an open forum that if you want to chit chat with people this week, there's a place to go. And it's really just more about keeping the community alive during this time. Um, it's not got a topic or any sort of um, direction. We just kind of chat about whatever comes up, whether that be Macs or video games or um, Mac was talking about gardening last week. Nice weather. <laughs> the projects that we've been working on is we've been confined to our homes. All good topics. And we're talking about Joe Chilcote uh, and his famous musical backgrounds or... Um... Always these little anecdotes here and there. It does come up. <laughs> He's mostly just admiring his view. Ooh, yeah. He's got a nice and peak of uh, Rainier from his uh, roof. His rooftop in Fremont. Nice. So, what kind of products are you working on these days, Chris? Projects have been interesting. Um... As Seattle moved into um, voluntary work from home and then mandatory stay at home, we had, and I had a rush of consulting customers who had not necessarily given a lot of thought to remote work environments in the past who suddenly needed remote work environments. And I did a fair amount of work in that first three or four weeks that involved um, either rush conversions of customers to a little bit more of a cloud-friendly environment that is moving, say, from an in-house file server network-attached storage solution to a um, Google Drive file stream. File sharing, I did quite a bit of that. We did quite a bit of... Um, S deployment of VPN. 
uh, in order to allow folks who wanted to stay on their in-house file server solutions to work from home. And then as our stay-at-home requirements have progressed and sort of worn on, work that I've been doing has converted or gradually transitioned more to what does long-term project planning for a particular customer look like. So we have a customer that we're working with on an Okta implementation. Um, we have a customer that we're working with on Catalina rollout. Um, we just happen to be doing most of it remotely via a combination of remote tools, whether that's VPN access and something as simple and maybe scary as Apple Remote Desktop, um, or if it's something um, more forward-looking, like moving an existing monkey repository to Amazon Web Services for someone so that the, the end users at that site can and that organization can access the monkey repository for patching from anywhere. A lot of, a lot of diversity in, in business projects and in terms of other projects, we finally got all of the bu books out of the boxes following our move to this townhouse in 2016. We put up some bookcases, um, some curtains that had been in the boxes since August, um, got an instant pot. Wow, uh, all, sorts all the of important fun. projects. <laughs> Absolutely. How about you, Ashley? Uh, we also had some challenges getting things to be cloud-based. Um, as far as our Mac environment, uh, we were already pretty ready to go, but for our Windows environment, uh, we had to navigate moving from a network-based uh, build workflow to a USB build. And my company is based out of Pennsylvania, so it was really um, kind of slow to get some of the build information from those servers. And I'm actually finding that the build is a lot faster on a USB. So I've been really happy about that change. <laughs> this is for rebuilding PCs or? Yeah. We're a mix of PC and Mac. Um, I primarily handle Mac, but uh, we have about 850 PCs at our company. Are you guys using anything like MDM, like Intune or anything? And I don't know anything about what I'm talking about when it comes to PCs, but... Uh, we use SCCM, which is kind of a beast, but it works. It definitely does what it needs to do. And the USB key is just for booting up and getting to your server, or is it actually imaging it, or kind of like old school ghost? Uh, yeah, you pixie boot to the USB. There's an OS on the USB, and then from there it runs a task sequence to install all the apps and everything. Nice. I guess you could. Do the same if you had to with uh, two, two canoes uh, and the, the automaton or get some Arduinos out. <laughs> but that's a Mac deploy stick, right? I haven't worked with that at all, but I've heard some good things about that. Yeah, in my uh, free time at home, it was, my daughter asked me for, to install one app. So I was like, I'm going to install a new monkey server and a monkey report server, and I'm going to use MDS just to play with it. And, and then installed like a little stick with the 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 OS on it and was able to re-image and then it just auto auto rolls and monkey and monkey report and it was it worked pretty good and you have workflows and you can 
It was it was like almost like an old school deploy studio server or something in a box, you know. That's great. How about you, Mac? Any uh, cool projects? Well, right when the uh, you know right when we were evacuating the offices back in you know long long ago, it feels like uh, <laughs> we still had like a weird kind of. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not proud of it, but it was a herky jerk kind of hybrid, half DEPMDM driven, half local resource dependence provisioning workflow um, that couldn't be done off our corporate network. So we uh, did a kind of a, um, you know, a uh, what do you call those things? Like a just a, a crash project to uh, deliver our you know provisioning system entirely over the air entirely over public internet um and like we it's one of those things where we had all the pieces together and we've had them for a while but it was one of those things where it's like well we've got you know this thing that thing another thing to do in the meantime and that's you know it's our problem but somebody else is feeling the pain so we weren't really thinking about it very much and suddenly we had to uh uh you know jump in on this and and then get it shipped so we threw that together in two or three weeks and we're still kind of dealing with a little bit of long tail support on that of just kind of figuring out the last remaining bugs but uh um yeah we managed to get a, a, a nice you know kind of uh, uh workspace one driven chef and monkey deploy thing going and it's uh it's been it's been nice it's been nice to finally ship it you know nice you using the mil- the monkey built into workspace one or are you using an external one Oh, <laughs> oh the only right oh. answer. <laughs> um, yeah, we're using uh, we're using the workspace one monkey to uh, it literally just bootstraps our chef and then chef bootstraps our monkey and then we're off to the races. Is that a little inceptionist? It's a little bit. Yeah. It's a little bit. Yeah, yeah. We had to you know you had to do a little bit of. Um, you have to kind of push workspace one along a little bit to to get it to 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 get things going the way you want it to. And hopefully, you're using something for support like Case that installs its own monkey as well. Or how many apps can we get that install monkey as well? <laughs> all the way down, yeah. <laughs> it's monkeys all the way down. <laughs> sorry, um, sorry. Just had, of monkeys plan. I just had a, a monkey report meetup, and uh, Tim Perfect of Two Canoes joined us and. As we were talking in the virtual meetup, one person realized, oh, they're installing their monkey report server in the folder that is installed for the client for monkey report, and those should not coexist. So you get all these different uh, project people together and realize that they're sometimes stepping on each other's toes accidentally. And sometimes a quick Zoom to talk these things through is faster than a GitHub issue sometimes, or uh, Slack channels that the conversations and the questions go you know, how many times in Slack has it come up that somebody asks a question, you're like, scroll back up, scroll up, we've answered it 500 times, you know. Use the search feature. Yeah, use, do you find the search works in uh, Slack, Ashley? Most of the time, I mean, sometimes you have to filter it to the right channel, but there's a channel for everything, including the fact that there's too many channels. <laughs> yeah, True story. I mean, I, I love the Slack. The Macumin Slack is amazing, but sometimes I feel like we are missing a bit of an archive that gets auto-generated, like in the old days of a, an email list. Uh, so sometimes you'd only get the, the questions when you'd be Google searching. You wouldn't always get the answers. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we yeah, need absolutely. People, a team of people to document all the things that are learned at every second in every Slack channel. <laughs> <laughs> Just someone ready to type out, Oh, this this worked for for uh, Chris. This worked for Ashley. Document it now in the live documentation channel. 
definitely wondered if there isn't some kind of value in, you know, some kind of classic forum and or bulletin board style approach where, you know, a topic can remain in play for a little while longer instead of just kind of going by in the stream. Or even just like an accompanying wiki that we can refer to. Yeah, yeah. I have written one or two Slack posts on a couple of different topics, and you write the post and pin it to the channel, and eventually it makes its way off the bottom of the screen at the end of the list of the things that are pinned to the channel and uh, is never seen again. But yeah, it's an interesting challenge. There are a lot of really cool Mac blogs out there, though, and they're great resources. I mean, everybody knows about Rich Troughton, of course, but um, there's just a ton of them, and they all have really great information. I wish there was just some place that could aggregate that. Yeah, I mean, if I figure out sometime, if I figure out something sometimes, I try to take the time to write it down because I know that you're going to need it later. That was that was Rich's idea, right? You document today for the you of tomorrow, wondering what the you of yesterday was doing. But uh, if we all take time to try and document, then we have these blog posts to refer to and other people can, can find them. They last a little bit longer than Slack threads, but. When I was first getting started, uh, um, just kind of in this field, I remember um, Matthew Bentley, uh, if anybody's ever met that guy, uh, he uh, showed me this uh, Alfred um, custom search he had set up that would search, you know, a dozen or so, uh, you know, well-known Mac admin blogs. You just type a thing into Alfred, you'd be like, you know, what's the, what's the deal with File Vault 2 and this thing? And it would search every single Mac admin blog. He had this custom search. And I was like, hey, there should be more of that. That was handy. That's definitely awesome. Yes, I mean, yeah, that's great. I find I find the same problem with recipes. I have like every recipe book by my favorite vegan author, uh, Isa Chandra. But it's like sometimes it's easier for me to go to our website than to like open up every book and look in the index and find the like I'm looking for this thing like <sighs> searching for human knowledge. You know, I do that occasionally with cookbook stuff myself. You have that same problem, Chris. Uh, I have Paul Perdome's recipe for uh, shrimp and sausage gumbo over here in the book that he published in 1984, but I could just as easily plug it into Google and find that the Orlando Sentinel republished it. Mm. Sometimes it's easier to work that way. One thing my youngest daughter started doing is just writing her favorite uh, recipes on index cards. And so we actually have a stack of favorite recipes that we like re rewritten on index cards. So. Talk about old school. Yeah. <laughs> But then you grab the stack and you're like quickly can find the thing you're looking for. Your favorite smoothie recipe or crepe recipe or whatever it was. As Chris pulls out his card stack. <laughs> Stolen from the local library circa 1973. Banana cranberry bread. Well, hypercard's coming back. Hypercard. Oh. We could we could we could set up a hypercard stack for recipes. Actually, I probably have one if I dig it dig dig through all my archives. You got me thinking with that Alfred thing, though, uh, Mac. With Google, you can easily search one site. Can you just like load up a ton of sites in your search and say, I want to search all these sites specifically? Hmm, I need to Google that. <laughs> Let me Google that for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Send me... I mean, we have to be able to define authoritative truth in this world, right? The, the sources of information we trust. And if it's Der Flounder and uh, 
Greg Engel's blog or other people's blogs or Armin Briegel or Stack Exchange. I mean, that's the thing, though. Every once in a while, it's a it's a zero upvote question on Stack Exchange, you know? Right. I got one, one today. Somebody sent along to me. I was looking at the Workspace One API trying to figure out how to do uh, non-credential-based authentication, which they, they try to steer you towards uh, a form of client certificate authentication that's kind of untraditional, let's say. Uh, but uh, somebody fa- managed to find um, uh, Wes, uh, Wes uh, oh gosh, what's Wes' last name? Wes over at Square found a thing of... Uh, Whetstone. Wes Whetstone and Shay Craig found uh, um, like a zero vote, you know, answer on Stack Overflow for uh, how to authenticate to the Workspace One API using uh, OAuth, and I was like, wow, I don't, I don't know how you guys dug this one up, but okay, good job. Sometimes there's some gold nuggets. <laughs> you got to try everything you find on on the, on the internet and hope it doesn't break something too terribly. That's why I have my terminal uh, history set to like a million, so it just records everything. Yeah, I know I typed that command somewhere. Control R recursively search through my entire history. <laughs> what gets you through the day, Ashley? Uh, I have two really awesome dogs. Uh, I have a Australian Shepherd and a border collie and they're both very energetic and they love to play with each other and they love to just run around in the backyard all the time it's actually been pretty nice weather in the seattle area lately so spent a lot of time outside just playing with them and enjoying the sunshine it's been good nice it's important to get fresh air absolutely mac you getting outside like like Chris said, I was getting a little gardening going, and I uh, oh, yeah. um, well, I'm not uh, I'm not biking as much as I used to, just because I don't you know don't don't have not doing my usual five miles in fouls five miles out every day. Uh, um, I was going to translate to kilometers for you. Um, <laughs> no, I was say, like, uh, spotlight, spotlight is so useful for that. Five miles is eight kilometers. <laughs> Impressive. Yeah, right. Uh, but, you know. Calves of steel. Um, you know, it's just, it's, we're like, like Chris said, doing their little yard work, get a little raised bed going, got some potatoes going. Um, just keeping my daughter busy. Uh, we, she's been getting into uh, her own balance bike. We've been talking about getting her pedal one. We go over to her school and stand outside longingly. Uh, it's got to be so hard for kids. Yeah. My older one has just been reading dystopias and looking outside going, it's just reality now <laughs> we've just been we watched uh, fantastic mr fox and we've been reading the book now and then so, oh. so now i've been um, i've been hearing uh bogus bunsen bean the little song from the movie on a, on a on a pretty recurring basis well i think we uh one of my daughters reread all of harry potter and then we just watched all the movies again so that that passes some time <laughs> gotta turn around to lord of the rings next it takes like yeah, we tried that. And it just seems so slow and so old. I don't know. Harry Potter's a little bit more quicker moving. It's it's hard to believe, but yeah, Lord of the Rings was a no go. But I don't Harry know why. Nice to read the Iliad at this point. Got like five pages of how many boats some guys bring into the to the party. <laughs> Chris, just doing a lot of home drinking, or um, you staying out of trouble? No, I'm I'm making a, a decided effort to not drink all that much. And there are uh, 
Cascadia Zoom calls every week. I almost always have a drink in hand, but I'm definitely spending more of my time on things like cooking. We're going for long walks. The city of Seattle has, has recently... What it, Mac, you'll have to help me. What is the name of this initiative where they're closing streets? Healthy Streets. Uh, Healthy Streets Street? initiative Healthy. where they've, they've now closed something like 40 or 50 miles of Seattle city streets. Maybe not quite that much. Um, to everything except for local traffic. And then just this last week, they announced that a number of these streets are going to be permanently closed as part of this initiative to try to improve uh, the overall environment for bicyclists and pedestrians and kids to be outside. One of those uh, healthy streets ends two blocks from my house. So this weekend, we got out and walked the full length of it back and forth. And I think we ended up walking something like six and a half, seven miles. That's spectacular. Then, uh, I think the, filling up those uh, rings on the watch. Yep. Yep. And then I've been, I'm going to put in a plug because the, the last thing I've been doing is I've just been, uh, since my local bookstores in Seattle and Portland have started the, several of them went through a period of we, we have to lay everybody off because we can't pay for everyone to be here working when there's no customers. And then the online orders of traditional paper books went um, completely off the scale with independent bookstores. Some of the local bookstores in Portland and Seattle have, as I understand it, hired a lot of their employees back in order to fulfill online orders. So I'm just every couple of weeks, I drop a bunch of money on Powell's or a bunch of money on Elliott Bay and books show up at my house and I spend the weekend reading them. Nice. Yeah. Are you ordering books too, Ashley? I have this bad habit of ordering books and getting started with them and just never finishing them. So I need mm. to work on finishing them before I order any more. Nah, just order more. Just read the first couple of pages, and then I'm terrible <laughs> about reading because I'm staring at everything on the internet as well as organizing Mac DevOps and thousands of other things. But my wife is always pushing me to read a book. She's like, I got this book for you. And so occasionally I'll get stuck on a book and I can't put it down. <laughs> just like, ah, I have to stay up all night, read this book. <laughs> it's See, a wonderful that's the problem. thing for me is that if I don't want to finish that book that day, then I won't finish it. Mm. It's one or the other. Mac, any good books? I was just going to say, I just, uh, I just picked up a new copy of uh, The Silk Roads, which is a really good uh, world history book on kind of re-examining uh, Eastern, Western, uh, uh, you know, how, how, we, how, we, how we look at history from a kind of like, you know, European versus Asian kind of perspective when it's really like we ignore the whole in-between and that there was a lot of trade for a long time. And I also just finished uh, for the second time the book uh, The Goblin Emperor, which is a really good book. I don't traditionally read a lot of fantasy, but it's um, I don't know. I just like fantasy West Wing, where it's like, what if what if there was a really really good person in charge, like they just landed in charge of a empire and was have a real hard time and like you know had to do this real like a great read right now. It's a good. I mean, it's a, it's a good book in its own right, uh, but it's a great read right now. Uh, <laughs> I like it a lot. I haven't read anything in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> But uh, there's two books I was starting just as this whole COVID-19 thing was happening, which is kind of weird coincidence, but it was the 
book of the unnamed midwife, these books that my wife found. And I, I just couldn't put it down. It was like this plague hits and like almost all women are killed. And there's only a few women like hiding out in society. And it was just this crazy dystopian story. And I just could not stop reading it. And then I picked up this other one that my wife gave me. And then I can't remember the name, but it was, it was about this woman in uh, New York and it was another virus that hit. And it was literally happening at the same time as this all started. And it was like a virus hits from China and all of a sudden everybody's wiped out. And this woman just keeps going back to work because she doesn't know what to do. And then there's fewer and fewer people in the city and she just keeps going to work because she's like, ah, I don't know what to do. And then there's nobody in the building. There's nobody in the city. <laughs> it's just like you can't let go of your pattern. It was it's very creepy to read uh, in general. And then during this crisis, it's kind of very striking that people have been dreaming of these like nightmare <laughs> virus scenarios. <laughs> It's not that bad, so we're just staying at home, playing with our Switches and our PS4s and our Minecraft servers and distracting kids, so I'm trying to remind myself it's not as bad as if it's this big earthquake that we've always been threatening on the West Coast. You know, we've always been preparing for an earthquake, so we still have electricity, we still have water, we have food and, you know, toilet paper if we fight for it. I can see how it would be good to compare your life to a dystopian fantasy, but on the other hand... I don't know. It's too real for me right now, but um, yeah, I could I could see the value in that. Space well, between it's... good times the dystopia. There's a lot. There's a lot in there. We're somewhere in between here and there. I'll go ahead and put in a plug for the Glass Hotel by uh, Emily St. John Mandel. I think is how you say her name. It's one of the novels that I finished, and it's one of the first novels that I finished in a day in many, many years. Yeah. It's her follow-on to the book that she published four or five years ago called Station Eleven, which is a novel about the world in the aftermath of a plague that kills 99% of the population, which is also very good. Um, Maybe a little too (laughs) topical. The plague was good or the book was good? The, the, the book was fantastic. And uh, The Glass Hotel is a very, very different novel, but it's similarly fantastic. I can't, I can't be effusive enough. I was pretty excited for the uh, second um, collected works of short stories of uh, Seattleite Ted Chiang. That was That was great. Yeah, there's some scary stories. There was one story that I think was a page and a half, and it just, like, my mind exploded. It was... Some of those, he's just an amazing writer. The, the first collection is amazing. And I managed to read half of the, the collection before we had to give it back uh, in the. He's the, author who, he's the author who wrote the book that the film Arrival is based on, or I'm sorry, mm-hmm. the short story that Arrival is based on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a pretty fantastic story in its own right. I have, I have the second book upstairs somewhere. It's really good. Yeah, I thought the movie was good. And then I read the story, and then it just blows away the movie. <laughs> I think he's a technical writer for Microsoft. I think he's that's right. Or at, least, or at least has been until perhaps his you know, writing career has taken off. <laughs> the writing career. Well, maybe we have to write longer entries in our journals tonight. Let's show you to read your docs, right? Do we have a book club <laughs> channel in the Mac Admin Slack? We need one. And all my crazy ideas, I was thinking we should do a book club for Mac DevOps because I, re- I re- read another um, book from Seattle, uh, Emily Freeman. She did a DevOps for Dummies. And while 
I'm not like a site reliability engineer or DevOps magician myself. I find there's lots to take out of it. And while it sounds really dry, the DevOps for Dummies is written really, really well. And, and there's lots of things to take out for IT, Mac admins, and other people. And I really enjoyed reading huge sections of it. I haven't read through the whole entire thing, but it's it's really, really good. And um, I really want to do a book club on that book because there's just chapters that are so amazing. And she's a really good writer and lays it all out very well. For Dummies are just about my speed, so... <laughs> Book club sounds like a great idea. It would be cool to kind of discuss um, even technical books as we read them together, like the uh, the new Apple device management book by uh, Rich Troughton and Charles Edge. That would be kind of cool to do as a, a group project to get through it because it's such a big book. Um, yeah. I feel like it would be kind of cool to have a discussion about each chapter or something. Let's do that. Um... Yeah, right after Mac DevOps. <laughs> we have all the ideas on this podcast. Today. I know. Uh, this, this, especially with Mac DevOps, I find like I, I have lots of crazy ideas about all the things we could possibly do, and then as the time counts down to the actual day, you're just like throwing out your ideas, and you're like, "What can I actually get done for this day?" And uh, I find myself recently, I was exploring different technical solutions for the conference going online. And I was like, there's so many possibilities that it was making my head explode. And I was like, uh oh, the reality of having a real venue sometimes is just like that way of forcing you to make a choice. And But that's what life is. You're forced to make choices sometimes in the face of lots of possibilities. That's uh, tough being an adult. Yeah, you got to confine that, limit it a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, book club. I'm adding that to the list. <laughs> um, who's gonna? Who's planning on attending Mac DevOps? I should be there. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna check it out. It's virtual, so I've been wanting to check out beautiful Vancouver for the conference, but I guess I'll have to wait for next year. Let's hope for next year that we can all get everybody together again. And I know a lot of people were sad not about missing Mac DevOps, but not coming to Vancouver. <laughs> the conference is just an excuse, you know. It's, it's like just all an those excuse doctors. to go get the ramen. Yeah, it's all those doctors. It's definitely a lot dentists. easier to attend a virtual conference than to hop on a plane yeah. and go to Vancouver. I mean, it's definitely easier. The people that can't fly there or don't have the money, and because it is a lot of money and it takes time out of your schedule. But it's hard when you're at home too, right? To how do you allocate four hours or an hour of time? I mean, you got kids in the background that are pulling at your leg and uh, maybe you just got, maybe you're getting tired and you, <laughs> instead of pretending to sleep in your chair in the conference, you just go for a walk and don't come back. <laughs> how do you, how do you do? Just conference from your car in the driveway. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> That's a good idea. I'm going to tent my yard. <laughs> Here, I'm doing yard work. Have you have you developed specific strategies, Matt, for those kind of potential attendance issues? Or I um, think one strategy was keeping it as a paid conference. Okay. Um, I've always wanted it to be free because I really always want everyone to come, and I never want money to be a barrier. That's just like I'm some kind of inner communist or socialist or some part of me is just nuts. Um, but I feel like free conferences, you don't make a priority to be there. So keep, keep the ticket as low as possible. That makes 
some priority or prioritization of your time. Um, I think we're going to try in my head right now, it's basically like a talk and open discussion period. And then we'll have, we'll have more time for discussion. So a talk, a short talk, as short as possible, maybe something between a quick talk and a half an hour talk, because people just can't concentrate. It's just like a talk and then discuss. That's the, that's the value that we can have in these like, you know, sort of zoom meetups and discussion groups is that we can see each other and, and mull over a topic where we would over coffee in the coffee room. But because um, I'm always like getting too many cool speakers to have too many cool talks, sometimes it, it can be squished and then you're stuck in a 50 minute coffee break. So I'm hoping we can go talk and then discuss, talk, discuss. So that's an idea. Like all ideas, we'll see if it works. Um, this this seems like a the lot hallway of... track. Exactly. It's basically giving people space to actually exchange ideas. That's as much as I love being the playlist DJ getting speakers it's really people talking to each other that's the value <laughs> i wasn't able to attend last year matt but I, I i did appreciate the year before of as you kind of introduced more of the quick talk format um because you know it's like sometimes people you know I, I know i've been in the position where you know you may have had an idea for a talk or something but you're like you know you look at some of these conferences and you're like i don't i don't think i can fill 30 45 an hour you know a time to uh talk on this thing but like maybe it's something i just want to you know give a quick skim give an introduction to and uh you know bounce off people and kind of introduce them to the concept even if i don't want to do a deep dive into it yeah i, I always thought like it was an easy way to get people started and sometimes people have one problem they solve not that they only solve one but they have something to share and sometimes the quick talks are the best it's one idea and maybe it just hits you you're like whoa Chris has a Wi-Fi problem. That's his, you know, talk, you know, it's just like very short. If we want to do four hours of every Wi-Fi version and the like Wikipedia entry, then that's going to be hard to listen to unless you're maybe getting in there and actually wiring up stuff. Not, not that Chris's talks are boring. I've never you attended one. So I don't know. Workshop if you want that. <laughs> I, I would love to, to do I'm, that I'm, virtually. I'm, I'm begging you to let me into one of your workshops. I need to, but I find myself, you know, if, especially if it's not something you're 100% into or you don't know, you haven't done, and then maybe 40 minutes on uh, Terraform doesn't work, but five-minute Graham Gilbert talk on Terraform, you can see the idea, and then you can absorb it and move on to the next topic. And yeah, it's, it's easy to run in the position where you're like, you know, and it's 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 terrible, but you you don't want to be the person who's like, well, I need filler for this, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I gotta gotta give the people their full, you know, forty five minutes or something like that, and you're like, well, fifteen minutes of that is like, you know, my heart's not really. Fifteen minutes of that is just like, let me walk you through a couple of different scenarios I just imagined that maybe illustrate the concept better, but maybe just aren't there to fill time. Yeah, we're we're definitely doing um, quick talks this year, and um, yeah, and half an hour is gonna be our max length for a talk. Um, and the only one that may go past half an hour is Joel because he just can't stop sometimes. And he's a locomotive train and he's always very interesting no matter what he's talking about. But well, we'll see. Uh, as, as a keynote speaker, uh, he might be the longest talk, but uh, we save those for the, uh, the people with the, uh, the radio voice, you know, and the uh, short talks and lots of discussion and social times. We still have social and then workshops. So um, and also, we're going to expand on the graphic recording. So it was already the plan that Ashton was going to come back this year. And because last year we had uh, Ashton graphically recording the talks and 
that was something I had no idea whether it was going to be cool or not last year. And it turned out to be super nice. And so while the talks are going on, she'll be graphically recording them. So we have, so people can stare at the drawing or they can stare at this, the talk. Going on. So, yeah, I thought it was really interesting listening to your conversation with her on your podcast a couple weeks ago. I wanted to say too, about the short talks, um, just kind of going back to our local meetup group that I miss so badly. Um, that's something that we really try to do in the local Seattle meetup group is allow people to give a talk of whatever length they want to about whatever topic they want to. And that way people can start to get comfortable with public speaking and also, um, kind of workshop some of those topics that they're really just kicking around. Maybe I would like to do a talk about this, but I don't really know what I want to say. Um, so it's nice to have a smaller group that you can kind of workshop that stuff with. Yeah, I think Bruce was working on a topic, right? Bruce on a topic? I mean, I, I think I agree initially that like it's kind of nice. I think Gil did one at one point where it's like, it's, it's kind of nice to have the option to say like, this doesn't need to be a complete talk. It doesn't have to have, you know, a a, a well well built thesis at its at its core. It can just be like, hey, I've been fooling around with this thing. Uh, anybody interested? You know, like, and and maybe I haven't built anything with it yet, or maybe I've I've half built a thing. But like, you know, check it out. Yeah, we need those trusted local groups, and that that help encourage people. And I'm a big fan from a couple hours away of the Cascadia meetup group. You are doing good work. Same time zone, though. Maybe, maybe that's the key is the time zones. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of little local groups that help people come together, whether it's with talks and drinks and just being a social group. Um, we're a, a definitely a generation that's learning through mail lists and Slack and Google, and we may not have gone to school for what we're doing, so we need we need a group of friends to lean on. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And there's definitely nothing like going out for beers and throwing out a topic and then actually getting something done because you were just bringing something up, kind of shooting the S with your buddies. Thank you. I don't have to edit that. Yeah, I was looking forward to like a beep. Is this a family friendly podcast? I'm trying to keep the E off of it. Yes. Yeah, we've, our readership is is really big in the uh, fifteen to eighteen year olds. You know, the young adolescent group, dystopian. You know, kids love yeah. sysadmining. They love it. Actually, my daughter, my daughter surprised me and signed up for this information systems course, and we were going on our forced walk around the block once a day. And she was like, "I'm learning about Trojan horses and malware." <laughs> so, the kids can learn things. She's going to infect your computer. <laughs> well, right now she needs to learn how to uh, turn off the, uh, the, uh, the, Mac, uh, the Mac specified router control of her PS4, but uh, she hasn't hacked the router yet. So <laughs> uh, They learn quickly, though. Every kid's first project is getting around whatever type of firewall they need to. Yeah, she, my daughter told me that people found a VPN in Firefox? Is that a thing? Does Firefox have a VPN? She said that they were getting around the school VPN controls by uh, the, the school firewall by going through Firefox and then accessing all their sites that they wanted to. That's got to be an add-on. Like, 
some, there's some real like, sketchy add-ons out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, no, I had I had that at my last company. There were a number of employees who were using in-browser VPNs to, uh, um, we, had, we had a number of employees that were doing work in China, you know, in Shenzhen manufacturing type stuff. And uh, yeah, they would, they would find some really interesting VPN products that would help them, you know, get their work done. Uh, and then when they'd get back, we'd be like, what the, no, get that off. What are you, oh man, wipe that computer. I had a school that the kids would use Wayback Machine, the Internet Archive, to go look things up because that wasn't blocked. <laughs> but it's not filtered. <laughs> yeah, spectacular. Educational. Nice. History. <laughs> In junior high, I went to a school that had computers that were running Windows 95, but it had kind of an educational GUI over it. But one of the applications that you were able to access was Encarta Encyclopedia or something. And they just so happened to have a file open in Encarta so that you could get to Solitaire or whatever else you wanted on the computer. So <laughs> I quickly got in trouble for showing everyone how to do that. Yeah, I remember before OS X was deployed and people in some of the labs I was looking after in this art school were booting up their OS 9 machines with a drive with OS X on it and learned a lot about firmware passwords and locking down machines <laughs> as the students were going around doing their thing. <laughs> wow. Very creative, very creative solutions. I hope to see you all at Mac DevOps and in all the local meetups, the Australian and London ones as well. and. We can learn from all our drunken peers. Yeah, I can't wait for DevOps. Uh, do we want to do a plug for the for your week? Is it's weekly meetups, right? Uh, yeah, we're doing weekly meetups in the Cascadia Slack channel. Uh, it's just a Zoom meeting. Feel free to join in. It's every Thursday at five o'clock Pacific. Awesome. Yep. The Zoom link published in the Cascadia channel um, a couple of hours before the meetup begins, and then we tend to spread it to a few other channels as well to make sure that people are aware. Happy that you're doing that, Chris. Are there any awesome local meetups in uh, D.C., Virginia area that you want to give props to, Shauna? Uh, there, are, there are. There's actually... Um... The one there's a really big one, and I never go. I I don't. I've the, never actually been. Is um, it the Mac DMV one? Or? It is. It is the Mac DMV one, and I have never actually been. But shout out to them and props to them. Um, They're good people wherever they are. Yeah. No. I I feel like I know a ton of people that go, but it's like always the day that like I'm supposed to go. I find out like the day of or the day before, and I'm just like not prepared. So DMV has, has historically had the same kind of issue that Seattle has had with the eastern suburbs, a little bit of a geographical challenge. Yeah. Once you get to your suburb, you don't want to go back or it's like I think the actual meetups happen in DC. And I work in Virginia and then I live in Maryland. So like it's kind of like a logistical nightmare around like <laughs> The time that I'm supposed to be there to get there on time and then get home at a reasonable hour. So like, it's a little bit of a, of a challenge. When I used to work in DC, it, it was a lot easier and I always planned to go, but I never actually made it, but shout out to them. Um, heard that the meetups are really sweet. So I, I should go. I just, 
I haven't been yet. Is uh, DC as challenged by, like Seattle with their rivers and bridges and tunnels and lakes and geographical uh, enemies? Less of the cool like wilderness pieces, like not many lakes, but um, bridges and you know it's the capital. So like the city actually inflates. I think the population of the city inflates like times four during the day, and then like you know as you know because people work there and then everybody commutes out so um kind of kinda, sprawling yeah it's kind of hard getting there and then everybody's located like around you know this big city so there is that you know that piece where everybody has to commute and come in and um and and make it you know on time ashley where can we find you on the internet uh i am on the mac admin slack as the faded um, I'm also on LinkedIn, but I don't do social media. That's that's very smart. It's good for your mental health. It really is. Chris, where can we find you? <laughs> you can find me as CT Daw. Uh, that is Charlie Tango Delta Alpha Whiskey Echo on Twitter and in the Mac Admin Slack. <laughs> Mac Admin that's Slack. Awesome. We never close. <laughs> yes, Mac. I usually go by Mac Justice on wherever. Uh, yeah. Mac Justice on the Slack. Find me in Cascadia. Mac Justice on Twitter. I've been, you know, trying to trying to take a little mental health break from that lately. Mm. Uh, Mac Justice on the Gmail if you really want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> and your Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I got a couple a couple of semi-abandoned blogs out there that you'll probably never find because I never actually posted anything to them. You got a band camp, you know, we got a you know. cash app in profile. Is that what's <laughs> trending these days? Uh, thank you Back so away. much, everyone. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Mac. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks, yeah, guys. thanks. And we'll see you all in the virtual meetups and at Mac DevOps, June 10th through 12th online. Be there or be 16 by 9. <laughs> Thank you to our Mac DevOps YVR 2020 sponsors. Our sponsors for Mac DevOps YVR, the conference 2020. Mac Stadium, our platinum sponsor. Thank you so much for helping us out. Sauce Labs, our gold sponsor. Simple MDM, our silver sponsor. And Adigy, our bronze sponsor, as well as Elastic, our community sponsor. Thank you so much. Uh, we couldn't do it without you, and uh, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today for the Mac DevOps podcast. Thank you to our guests and co-hosts. Mac DevOps podcast is a brainchild of Matt X and Chris Johnson. Today's episode was edited by JD Strong. Please like and share this podcast on your favorite podcast service. <laughs> they keep dropping out. I hate these pro AirPods. Ugh, you have to stick them in your ears. Sorry, that's too much information. <laughs> I just feel violated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>